Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. Welcome, everybody. I am glad to have you back, the True Wealth Investors Podcast. And I am joined today with my very familiar to you co-host, Chris Mayfield, um, out of Arizona. He has a sweet deal that he uh, is ready to share the details of, how he got the deal and how he closed it out. And Chris and I we meet weekly on the Elevate Mastermind meetings, and he mentioned this deal just in passing. And I said, "Man, you gotta, you gotta share the details of this one." So, welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Always want to help. Yeah, yeah. So good to see you again. It's been like five yes, days, or <laughs> four or five days. Yeah. So, so this was a. Uh, one of your wholesale deals. And you said that it, in the end, the wholesale, what you cleared on the wholesale deal was 80,000, right? It's 79.5. 79.5, pretty the, darn close. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. So, and we were joking off air beforehand about how this in no way is the typical wholesale deal, right? You shouldn't uh, get into wholesaling looking for that 80,000 deal every time. But no. But on the flip side of that, you definitely have to celebrate your wins. Sure. Right? And yeah. celebrate those really home run deals. So Sure. So fill us in, you know, you work in markets all over the US and you know, a quick plug for anybody who, who wants to know kind of how Chris works, he's going to be a speaker on um, the Buying Without Banks meeting that I run the third Monday of every month. He's going to be speaking in October. Um, you can find that information on my Facebook page or True Wealth Investors Facebook page when it gets closer to that date, but he's going to go through it. Um, but for today, where, you know, what market was this deal in? How'd you come across the deal? Right. Um, so uh, that one was in Memphis. And okay. uh, yeah, uh, marketing was a cold call. Um, and uh, my son actually was the one that uh, first connected with the seller and um, kept an ongoing relationship, then brought me in. Um, and uh, yeah, we did another deal with the seller uh, six, nine months ago. Um, uh, on a multifamily, a small multifamily there in Memphis, and uh, actually the same buyer on on both of the deals. Um, great, great buyer, great guy, um, really respect. Uh, but yeah, it was a cold call, got into a conversation, and then that led to understanding the type of properties that he had. He was wanting to get out of Memphis completely uh, because he's doing some other different types of real estate. And, you know, that's kind of the, the, uh, the overarching, you know, cold call, follow up, follow up, follow up, build relationship, find out exactly what it is that they're doing. In this case, we just shared, look, we might be your buyer because we really kind of were looking at them um, or buy some of them. Um, but ultimately, I was trying to solve his problem of could you help me get rid of all of it instead of some 
a buyer here and a buyer here. Could you make some type of commitment to help me move it all? And that's ultimately what we committed to. And so what was, what was the package or, you know, what were uh, it was a, the, what the order that he wanted was I'll do the single family duplexes if you could first sell the multi. Um, and so he knew that we were either going to buy or, or uh, assign it. And he was, <clears throat> he was okay with that. He understood. <coughs> wow. Um, he understood <laughs> that I got a little choked up there. Woo. He totally understood <clears throat> and we were up front that we would like to take a hard look at it, but if, if it doesn't fit for us, <clears throat> I don't understand what happened. Um, but it was, the deal was you move this, then once that's done, <clears throat> I'll, I'll open up the other properties, which were um, four, let's see if I get this right, four duplexes and five single family. <clears throat> All right. So we did the first one and I let about a week go by <clears throat> and then I reached back out and said, Hey, we, we did what you wanted. Can we now talk about the other part? And then we went through the process of that. And, uh, you know, and this, in that process, I mean, when you're, you know, generally in a typical virtual wholesale, usually it starts with a property, right. And you, you build rapport, you find out motivation and I can't stress that enough. I don't care about the numbers. It's the motivation. Numbers could be the most incredible in the world. You know, they want $5,000 and the house is worth a million, but they're not motivated. So you need to hang up the phone and move on to the next call. You can follow up in a month, but they're just not motivated. So it's rapport, motivation. And then, you know, you get the, the deets on the property to see if it's something that, that is possible to do. And then from there, you know, you can go. In this case, it's a little bit more work because, you know, nine properties, you know, you got to get all the addresses, you got to go look at everything and, you know, what the, and then you got to go back and say, okay, what do you want for each property? All right. Is there any space there for us to serve them and still make a buck? Yeah. Um, you know, and in this case with a package, you could take less on this one and more on this one. If they're, you know, because of condition and again, motivation. And then once that begins to happen, then you're going to come forth with the, with the purchase and sell agreement. Okay. So the first time you ever spoke with this seller, it would have been from some kind of list that you bought and, um, and then... Yep doing the the, the uh, skip tracing you get the number and then you cold call directly to the owner right yeah okay. in memphis in memphis because of us understanding and traveling there um we go after not only we'll, we'll pull a list from like batch and i'll pull the list but it's going to be specific to zip codes and then because of memphis it, once you get on the phone and start talking it becomes street by street um, it really isn't a zip code or a neighborhood in that okay. part of the country. Um, but yeah, we pull a list, uh, we skip trace it, cold caller starts calling. They've got a cold call script looking at basically four things. And then once they, and the four things are just, you know, the motivation, the condition, are they looking to sell right now? That type of stuff. They take notes, put it on our CRM, then that pops up for, you know, acquisitions to give them a call. 
And we really, if, unless we, it's just out of the question, once the acquisitions gets it, we want them to be calling immediately, especially if it's a hot lead. Yeah, because they're, they're looking to get rid of the problem. So if you don't respond or solve that problem, they're going to look to somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. So you or your son actually called to talk to the seller and you sold a multifamily for them. And then this was the second batch of properties. Nine properties. So was that, you know, how many times did your son end up talking to that seller in this process? Man, early on, I mean, early on is where he takes it. And at that time he was cold call and acquisition. So shoot, uh, it, you know, and again, it's muddy at that time because you don't have a strong relationship with the seller. So you're looking at the multi and the nine because are they going to come forthright and tell you what they're strategically wanting to do? And, and, you know, later we learn, you know, he's Taylor's trying to get the addresses. He's trying to get the multi. He's trying to understand. We we got to kind of get pictures. We got to understand, you know, and so I would say at least five or seven times before I even talk to the seller. You know, because okay. because because a cold caller, you know, they're just getting information and hand it to acquisitions. At that point, my son's acquisitions and he's coming to me bouncing off ideas on, you know, how to have a conversation, how to build rapport, because every personality is different. You know, that's why I tell people, you know, in any kind of real estate, and you know, this, Chad, I was coaching another person. Don't you get an address like, like let's say let's give an example, right? You find an address and someone says, hey, this person says they really need to sell their house. They don't have any money to, to fix it up and do the whole MLS and lose the three to 6%. Man, they just, they just want to sell it as is. And the first thing that we want to do is get the address and start building in our head. Oh man, maybe this could happen or maybe I, I can make this, right? Yeah. And you haven't even talked to the seller. I mean, you might put on the seller and it's a three bedroom, two bath with, with certain tile. And yeah. <laughs> my dad, my dad works at a law office. He's not a lawyer. And based on their agent and stuff, they do a lot of probate. And so we actually got a deal not too long ago from them, but he told me about a doctor who's in Kansas city who wants to come back to Dallas and retire. And they've got this house, but they don't want to live in that area. Now they've been gone for 25, 30 years house is free and clear. She wants to sell because it just needs a lot of work. Well, I didn't, all I did was I grabbed the address, right? I need it, but I just wanted it. I texted her because she's a doctor with a lot of schedule busy. And then eventually she said, look, I'm not looking to sell, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. So I can move on. And I said, and, but you know, you don't give up on, I'm not looking to sell. So you say, Oh, I'm sorry. My dad had said that you were kind of looking to sell and maybe a 1031 issue or something like that. And so I just thought I would be offering you possibly a little bit of information, even if I'm not your buyer. Well, she was like, ah, I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to sell buy. But then when I said that, she's like, you know what, let's have a conversation next week. Right. Cause what I said was I, I suggested, I brought up her problem and suggested I might be able to solve that problem. Now she's not defensive. Now she's like, oh, okay, so we're kind of on the same side of the table, seeing if there might be a solution you could bring, yeah. right? Now, ultimately, is my solution to get to buy that house or assign that house? Yeah, but, my, but, but ultimately, I'm going in first to serve the person 
and then maybe get the deal. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I, you know, so many people struggle, usually the things I talk about are how to raise private money or how to get seller financing. And people struggle with, well, how do you get someone to lend you money? Or how do you get someone to say yes to financing the deal? And it's the exact same thing, you know, you just talk to them and help them solve their problem. You're just serving them. Yeah. And in a lot of instances, that's the best way to solve their problem. So I think when we come out of that servant mentality, one, it makes the seller less defensive, but two, you take that shark mentality off, you know, cause a lot of people, you know, you don't want to say investor cause then they're like, Oh, you're looking for, you know, pennies on the dollar, you know, and I could say, but, but you know what I do say? I say, well, maybe not pennies on the dollar, but I tell you this, I'm not going to buy a property if I can't make a dollar, you know, I, I am running a business. Um, but I think, yeah, when you come from that standpoint of, so Mr. And Mrs. Seller, what, why are you looking to sell this house? You know, and through that process, you know, and even before that, for me, it's rapport, right? Like I, I, when they come to me with the deal, the first thing I ask is, did you build rapport? Right. Cause I'll just say, well, then I don't want to hear anything else. Cause it doesn't matter if you're not their friend, they're not going to want to buy from you. I don't want to do business with somebody that I'm skeptical or nervous about. But if I'm like, hey, I'd be a guy I'd go hang out with or have a beer, a meal, coffee, right? Now you've, you've got an opportunity. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> what was the, you know, your, your son calls him after the multifamily for this new package of properties and you get it under contract. What was the, the uh, contract price that you were assigning? You were starting to ask that and I'm like, oh, let, um, uh, let's see, I, I could pull it up on my computer. Um, <laughs> <What? and> <laughs> I'm just going blank here. Uh, holy cow. Let's see. Well, I mean, it, 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 it ultimately added up on the nine properties because you're looking at 13 doors um, total on those nine properties. Okay. And so, you know, and it was case by case. Right. He thought this house was, you know, we, what we do is we want to hear from them. Like, what do you think that this house is worth as is? Um, and, and he gave us the nine and then we kind of go do our due diligence. And part of that due diligence is uh, whether you're local or, or in another state is pictures or touring the property or walking the property. Yeah. So then we walk the property to get condition in this case, all of them, but I think two were rented. So we got to work with the property management company, his, where our buyer had a different property management company. And so you got to walk the property and then come back with those pictures and say, okay, here's where you're at. Here's where we would be at on that property. And, and in this case, we weren't far off on any of them. And again, because we had multiple properties, we might be able to come up just a tad here, but then this one could come down, right? And then there's the general, the, the general price. And I apologize because I can give you the numbers, I can give you the HUD, um, but I was dealing something right when I got on the phone with numbers, and so I don't want to stop the podcast and and pull up no the uh, pull up the folder. 
but I can always tell you what the assignment was, which was 79.5. <laughs> in the end, that's what matters, right? And it, and it would have been, it would have been, it was, it would have been something like it was five, golly, five something, you know, and it got up to, to that. Um, but like I said, I can text you the numbers afterwards if you want to put it with the podcast or something. Okay. What was the process once you got it, you know, under contract and you went to sign that, that contract? What was that like? Well, and I would tell people, you know, I have the keep going mentality and it's just over time I've learned that every single deal I've done, whether we've bought it or assigned it, is always different because you've got different personalities, you've got different numbers, you've got different properties, you've got different title companies. Um so the process with this one and the other one are they're always interesting. I'll just say it at that with with, with personalities of sellers and and then deciding to, to change maybe how they want to exit. Um, so in that case, you know we're we're under contract. We've done the pictures. Everybody's good. I probably redid that contract three or four times because in this case, what I did is I did a purchase sell agreement, but then I added a page of each property. And broke down and said in there, you know, under the addendum that the title company, if they want a a separate purchase and sale agreement for every single one of them, we could go back and do that. But in this case, I just listed them on another document and and prices and everything. Luckily, it worked. Um, And then from there, it gets crazy because you've got LLCs or maybe they're not an LLC anymore. So we've got to go to the city and and he's the seller's got to reapply here to do this because there might be some taxes, not Mm -hmm. not uh, just a ton of different things that we're at that point, you're turning into a transactional coordinator, right? You've got somebody that's it's talking to the seller and the buyer, but then you're also talking to the title. And in this case, the lawyer at the title company, because they've got to feel very comfortable about closing this deal in their office the proper way. So constantly me and David, my partner with the buyer, with the seller, with the title company, hey, we've got to get this, we've got to get that, you know. And so what we do at that point is we want the deal every bit as much as the buyer does. So we're working every bit as hard of making sure everybody's getting what they want all the way to the finish line. So that contract, normally I feel good about it and I'm done. But in this case, I think we rewrote it three to five times because remember, I'm, I'm buying it, but I'm really ultimately buying it for this buyer. So I want to, I really respect this buyer. So I want to protect him and get it the way. And so like in this case, what we did, the seller came back and said, Hey, I want to make sure he knows I'm not trying to pull a fast one. They want $50,000 hard after seven days. But now my buyer's got to feel comfortable about that. But what my seller was willing to do is, Hey, let's write a separate agreement, a little addendum that says, because you, because there was going to be funding involved, financing involved, and sometimes the financing people are a little bit slow and don't see the target dates and they wait to that date to say, oh, we're not ready. Yeah. And my seller, my buyer doesn't want to hear the seller go, well, you didn't meet the date. You lost your $50,000. Now we're going to go sell it to somebody else. So we wrote a, a private addendum that we kept between the three of us that said, if we get to that last week and we find out it's not going to happen, we'll all sign this and send it in. But we don't want title and financing to know because they'll use that. We want them to say, we've got to hit the state. We've got to hit the state. We've got to hit the state. And then when we're three or four days out, 
and I call title and say, are we going to hit this date? And they say, no, then I can go back and nobody's alarmed and say, hey, let's 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 turn in that addendum and and all feel good about it. Obviously, the buyer feels great about that because now he's not forfeiting that fifty thousand dollars he put hard in the first three to five days. Yeah. Sure. And the seller's good because he's not at the end going, oh, my gosh, we got to start all over. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a good solution to help you know, the seller hold money and know that they have. And the seller suggested, you know, cause he wanted the buyer to feel very comfortable. He wasn't going to take his $50,000. Sure. Okay. So, you know, when you're selling a package of properties like that, primarily occupied, what, what was the, that end buyer like, were they a large individual investor? Was it, do you, do you know? No, it's a it's a buyer who um, he and three of his buddies have done this. They actually have a business where he's like a, a 10% owner in that business, but they're lifelong friends. And okay. he really and he really loves real estate. So he's kind of their point for their LLC. And I think they have a goal of buying like 850 doors in like, I don't know, three to five years. Um, and one of the places they buy is is Memphis. Um, he's actually bought another prop- property for me in Texas. He's looking at two other ones when we get everything locked down in Texas. Um, again, his is property management. But yeah, he's just he's just a dude that just loves to do this and and sees the value of real estate. Um, but yeah, so it's it's those guys and they've got money, but then they've got a, a, a financing opportunity in a, a smaller bank in Memphis that. Uh, Actually, we've now used me and David in, in doing a refi with uh, four properties, and they love this buyer, and they're like, we will work with him all day. Um, so there was financing involved in that, and uh, we learned through the multi that this bank would actually work with uh, assignments, and that's not common in all banks. Interesting. Okay, cool. So you got your assignment of 79.5. The buyer and buyer was happy with the purchase price, obviously. And the seller was happy with what they received. Um, and so for a lot of people, you know, they'll probably listening asking, why on earth would a seller do that instead of listing with a commercial broker or a real estate agent or something like that, you know? So what are some reasons, not necessarily even this instance, but with you dealing with sellers all the time who are, they're all motivated by different things, but really they have a lot of similar motivations. Yeah. You know? So what are some motivations for sellers that they end up going the route of selling through a wholesaler instead of a, a, a retail I, I, Um, Well, I think one, it's relational, right? It doesn't matter what you do, whether it's real estate or not. Um, I don't know about you, Chad, but I had a a big investor. I don't remember what he does recently post. Is everybody else noticing that customer service just stinks right now, like across the board? And I'm like, all I said was absolutely. I mean, my wife and I cannot go to a restaurant ordering out and them get it right. And I get it, right? You're busy or you make a mistake, right? But then they don't apologize for it. In the case of what you're asking me, I think it's just 
And in this seller's case, he's busy. And these properties, he basically didn't pay attention to for eight or nine years, right? He's just taking the mailbox money and, and moving on. The management company wasn't great. The management company that we work with is awesome. Um, and so I think management companies anywhere can take advantage of a, a situation where an investor just kind of is very hands off. And I think that's a little bit, but this seller is busy and is involved in real estate where he actually was transitioning from one state to another moving because he's so active in real estate in that new state. He just didn't, and he didn't want to go through the process of dealing with multiple agents, commercial brokers, wholesalers. And I think ultimately Taylor, my son and, and myself, and then we even had a call one day with David that we made a connection. He, and I asked him, I, you know what? I'll tell you this. When you get in these situations with packages, um, ask hard questions. If you've built a relationship, right? And I asked a hard question. I said to the seller, why are you willing to work with me? You know, there's plenty of people you could go do this with. You could go to your management company. And he, and he said, well, I don't know if I trust them. And he just said, I believe that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. You know, but I asked the question. You know, because it could have been, he could have been, well, I'm going to try you for a week. And if I don't like it, I'll just move on. But I asked because I did not want to put, I knew there was going to be work involved. And I didn't want to put the effort in if, if there really wasn't an opportunity there. But I think across the board to your initial question, there's always some kind of pressure, messy details. You know, we're dealing with one right now where you've got a 75 plus year old uh, lady, mom, and a, and a single, uh, uh, an only child, and the house is filled with rats, which is very sad, but I think they don't want to, I think they're embarrassed to bring people in, and we just try to be very um, kind and respectful, right, because you're walking into really bad situations, and they're still people, and I don't care how much money they have, you need to treat them like a human being, um, so that's generally, there's some kind of pressure that they don't have the money, time, energy, wherewithal to do what it's going to take to re because a lot of them will say, well, I could rehab the house myself, but I just don't have the time. Right. Okay. Well, you know, and so you just, you kind of listen. And when you're talking and you're walking a property or you're virtually walking the property with the person and talking and starting from the roof and going down to the, to the foundation or the basement, depending on where you live, you'll begin to pick up more motivation by asking questions about the property. Um, but I think that's it, Chad, that, that it's a time thing. It's a money thing. It's a stress thing. Um, and they just, they don't want to deal with it. And so they're looking for something that's convenient and something that's quick so they can get back to doing their own life. Okay, sure. Yeah. I like, <clears throat> I really like how, you know, essentially they have a problem and you're the solution to that problem. So, and so I love that you're service oriented or service focused, solution focused for that seller and the idea that it's relational, that you build that rapport with them and you're solving the problem together. It's not like you're, you know, trying to take advantage of a situation where a person's down on their luck. You're working together with them to uh, bring about that solution, that sure. You and I, you and I talk about that all the time. That 
you know, I think you just bought a couple of properties. When you started that relationship, you were on this side of the table, they were on that side of the table. But you knew if you could come across genuine and that that you could possibly solve the problem, in this case, buy the properties, there's something where eventually you've, you basically have gotten on the other side of the table and you're both looking at the situation slash problem and you're both shoulder to shoulder you know, trying to figure out how we can solve this, that's going to be much easier for somebody to work with. Was that the case when you did those last two that we talked about yeah. last week? Yeah, completely. Did you yeah. buy it from an individual or an investor or who was it? Uh, one was an individual, um, similar situation, had just gotten older and couldn't take care of the property anymore and kind of needed help with that transition, um, you know, to to retirement home and someplace where things were taken care of for them. And another one was an investor who was just nearing retirement and, you know, solidifying their holdings, just getting rid of some of the, the outliers. So. And those, you know, those that's perfect in this podcast. Um, When you deal with an investor and you tell them when you're investor, I feel like it's like, you know, you take two magnets and you bring them together and they kind of push apart. I think when you talk to another investor, that's what's going on initially because they're on their guard, you know, and you, you've got to somehow find a, a connection. I always tell my guys something that, you know, for me with investors, I'll say, um, you know, like this one on that, you know, wow, you got, you know, nine properties and a multifamily. Yeah. I had a lot more. This is kind of like the cream of the crop that's left and kind of held on to those the longest. Here's one of my quick responses. Man, I need to spend some time with you. I'd like to just have another conversation learning how you were able to build this wealth, you know, and yeah. initially and then immediately they're like this, I've kind of put myself underneath them. Well, there's two parts to that. One, strategically, it's good. But two, I might, I'd love to learn something from them. I mean, they've done something that that I haven't. Man, that might be the only nugget I get out of this. Yeah. But that's, you know, how do you go about when you're with investors? Because they're more, oh, Chad's going to try to take advantage of me. You want cents on the dollar. I'm not your guy. You know, that's what their response is. How do you deal with that? I'm pretty similar. I'm very complimentary, you know. And, you know, I can see why you like this property, taking great care of it, um, you know, because I'm on there. I'm on their side of the table. Right. Yeah. We're yep. both investors. We both can appreciate this is a good investment. But likewise, we both understand that it's going to come down to the numbers. And so then, you know, it goes into here's what I'm able to pay. You know, some of here's why that's my price point. And if that works for them, it does. If it doesn't work for them, that's fine. And yep. so, you know, in this instance, uh, they were very happy with that. And it was quick. That was that was the one uh, we were talking about that that meeting where I got the lead in the morning. I talked to a private lender midday, saw the house, got it under contract in the afternoon, done. Seller's thrilled, lender's thrilled, everybody's happy. So there are, and and I think something really to point out, you're consistent. And I think that's the big thing is that if you're consistently putting the word out that you're looking for properties, you know, if you're consistently making offers, if you're consistently negotiating, you're not going to get everything, 
Um, and some of them are going to be hard, but some of them are like what you just said. They don't really happen that many times where it's just boom, boom, so easy. But I think that you get those because of consistency. Yeah. And you you can't control everything going together that that way, but you can control always putting out there that you're looking for deals, always making offers, always talking to, to lenders and presenting opportunities for lenders. And if you, yeah, focus on what you can control and that consistency, then eventually everything lines up. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So, well, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing the details of the deal, Chris. I know every time you talk about one of your deals, I'm kind of like in awe because it's so <laughs> different from the, the types of deals that I do. Right. That's really cool. So, so always appreciate you coming on, sharing your insights and experience. So thank you. For sure. Thanks for letting me be here. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. October. Well, we got our mastermind coming up, which if anybody wants to do that, it's a great community where you get like-minded people in all different types of real estate talking and, and getting to ask questions and not feeling stupid for asking questions, which which is what I like, that people can get on that elevator seat and, and kind of talk about their business and have other people, you know, speak into you, which everybody needs community, right? And I think that's the beauty of that one. And then, of course, I'm looking forward to October 18th. Awesome. Yeah, me too. So anybody who's wanting to know more about how Chris does his virtual wholesaling deals and just, you know, the details of that process, how to, to do that kind of deal, definitely join us. Absolutely. On Monday in October. So looking forward to it. I hope to see everybody there. Yes, sir. I just wanted to mention uh, quickly to everybody, if you're listening to this and you feel like you are struggling at your business like you are doing it all on your own and second guessing what decisions you're making unsure if you're making what progress you should and uh, then i really encourage you to check out the elevate mastermind group uh, chris and i are two of the leaders kurt phillips is another leader who you've seen on this podcast before as well and the purpose of the group is that we meet weekly, we hold each other accountable, we help each other with strategy, direction, overcoming problems. And it's a group where everybody is a real estate investor taking their business to the next level. So you have people you can relate to who understand what you're going through and can provide valuable insight to help you achieve your goals faster. So if that's something you're interested in, we meet weekly online. Um, we have a private Facebook group where we share information, share documents, uh, things like that. And coming next spring, there will be in-person seminars, live seminars as well. So if you're interested, just want more information, go to the website truewealthinvestors.com mastermind and you can get all the information. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.